Praise the Lord. God is so good. You know, originally I was, uh, uh, and, and thank you guys, Cherie, uh, for, for getting that together for me, but I'm not going to use that. <laughs> she was cutting and pasting and putting it all together. Um, actually, <laughs> I'm going to give you the short version. <laughs> So it's still going to be God's word, um, but uh, for we, God has done a lot already this morning, and I'm not going to uh, to go on and on. I, I just, and it's not to say that the Lord couldn't go on and on with us this morning, but I I do know that uh, there is a time sometimes to just cut things short. So, but thank you for Sharif for putting that together, but <laughs> I won't need that this morning. Uh, I'm going to be summarizing something real quick here. Uh, first, you know, actually, Bunny said something, and I'm going to pull something out here because, uh, you know, I think I think the Lord is saying something here, even as Bunny said about that finances. Um, this this is not in my word, but but when Bunny said that, uh, I had cut this out of yesterday's paper. Uh, you know, God wants His children to have wisdom. He He really does love you. And he wants to prosper you. Yes, there are trials and tribulations and, and hard times. And those hard times are a good thing. They really are. If you're not going through any hard times, if you've already gone through them, praise the Lord. But if you're going through them, then that's a good thing because you become stronger. You know, I'm, I'm a physical educator. I, I know about the body. And I know if you don't use the body, if you don't lift weights, if you don't run, if you don't do things that are going to temporarily be discomforting to you, you won't get any physical strength gains or physical gains that you need in that particular sport or for life or for health. And it's the same thing in the spirit. God tests us and puts things in our lives so that you will become stronger. You won't become weaker. You will become stronger as you go through these things. And that's what the word came forth today in many different ways, and shapes and forms. But, you know, when, when Bunny said that, I... I said, you know, I got something in my wallet that I want to share with you real quick. This is interesting. Um, this is out of yesterday's paper. $110,325. That's a pretty big number, right? $110,325. Not many people have that kind of money. Well, listen to what it says. That, that's how much more a homeowner with a $100,000 mortgage... And a 520 credit score, that's a low credit score, will pay an interest charges over the life of a 30-year loan that's more than a homeowner with the same mortgage and credit score of 720. That's a good score. <laughs> so we got a low score, a high score, according to the Consumer Credit Counseling Service. That's about $300 a month more over 30 years. I thought about that. I said, wow, God's people need to know that. Just like Bunny was saying. Ramsey, I, I've not heard him, but I've heard a lot about him. Greg Ramsey, Craig? Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. I guess he's uh, my daughter. One of my daughters told me about him and said, it's really good. Stay out of debt, things like that. <clears throat> Boy, what a principle. Well, how do you get a good credit score? Well, you pay your bills. You don't buy more than you can afford. You know, if you've got to cut back, you downsize. You live in a big apartment, you get a smaller apartment. You live in a nice apartment, you get a not-so-nice apartment. Or whatever you have to do. 
but there's ways to do it. I mean, I, I've been a base and, you know, I've been all just like Paul. You know, I, I've lived in poverty and, uh, and I'm not living great now, but I live pretty good, you know. And it, it's like, well, you know, how do you do those things? Well, God will give you wisdom to get out of debt and to save 110000 over 30 years. And that's only a $100,000 mortgage. Nowadays, people have $150,000 mortgage, $200,000 mortgage, you know. So you can almost double that and say, wow, over 30 years. Now, you say 30 years, well, you know, I'm 60 years old now. 30 years for me when I was 30 seemed so far away. But 30 years ago, you know, now, wow, 30 years, it goes by pretty fast. So you could see where you could use that 110000 in 30 years or more. So, Bunny, you brought that out. But that, it must have, been my, must have been in my wallet for a purpose. Hallelujah. Well, um, let's just pray real quick here. Not real quick. Let's just pray. <laughs> Father, we thank you. You've done so much already in this service, Lord. You're, you know, if, if I don't say another word, Lord, you move by your spirit already. And we thank you for the breakthrough, breakthroughs this morning. We thank you for your people, Lord, and your righteousness, Lord, by the blood of Jesus. We thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We deserve death, Lord, but you gave us life. So, Father, we thank you for all you've done, and I, I pray that you're Words that come forth this day from me, Lord, would be your words, not my words, Lord, uh, that our ears would be attentive to hear from you, mine included, Lord Jesus. We just thank you for the privilege of being your house in your house to, to worship you in a free nation, Lord. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a brief summary of, <laughs> and I, I'm not going to read everything that I had planned on reading, or we're not going to do it on the the uh, the board up on the PowerPoint up here. But I want to say this, that the Lord had put this on my heart. Um, all of you can hear from the Lord. And I think this was just confirmed <laughs> this morning. <laughs> it's, confirmed. it's like, wait a second, you know, I have to wait for the prophet or, you know. Well, you know, there are, God's got prophets. Last week was a perfect example. Pastor Joe Rowe was here last week. And he had one prophetic word. And where's Nehemiah? Nehemiah's not here. Oh, there's Nehemiah in the back. He had a prophetic word. He called out Nehemiah. He said, uh, you know, son, come over here. And he ta started talking to him about his, his mantle. That It's a teaching mantle that the Lord has upon Nehemiah. Well, years ago when Nehemiah just became a Christian and his wife and him came over to our home group, Nehemiah would ask all kinds of questions, man. He, he was just a baby Christian. I mean, he would be, and sometimes you look at Nehemiah and go, Neil, is there any more questions that you have? <laughs> well, I mean, Neil, what, what, I mean, how many questions do you have, Neil? <laughs> it's just, he just continued to ask questions. But that was the process of growing, you know, and learning about the Lord. So Pastor Rowe calls him out and said, you, you know, there's a teaching mantle on you. God's going to use you in a special way with that teaching mantle. Well, after the service, I came over and I told, Neil was there, and I told Pastor, Pastor Rowe, I said, you know, the word you said to him, that our pastor Ray had given that same word. You know, that word has been spoken over Nehem before. Nehem pulls out of his wallet that same word from Pastor Ray at his baptism when he was being baptized. It was that same word. And it was like, wow, God confirms. You see, now the voices you heard this morning, God will confirm in one way or another, God doesn't just give it on one person. You know, he'll, he'll confirm it many different ways. And he confirmed it last week with Pastor Joe. So 
so I actually, to kind of, I could just summarize it in about two words or four words, but I'm going to go a little bit longer because we got a little bit of time left. But, you know, God can speak to you. He really can. As you read his word, as you study his word, as you pray and seek his face, he will speak to you. Last week, I, I like what Pastor Rose said, we're, we're not sinners saved by grace. We're former sinners saved by grace. Do we fall? Yeah, we screw up all the time. Yeah, we'll have an argument with our wife. or We'll, uh, you know, maybe do something that we shouldn't have done. You know, I, you know, there, things happen. You know, you, you go, how could you be a Christian? Well, I'm sorry, I, I really screwed up. We will screw up because we're human, we're flesh, some way, shape, or form. But we're former sinners saved by grace. We're not habitual sinners. We're former sinners saved by grace. And you know, when you think of yourself that way, you can walk in righteousness knowing that, yeah, I screwed up, but God is with me. And no matter what I do, my steps are established by the Lord because the Bible says so. The steps of a righteous man are established by the Lord. And if I'm righteous in God's eyes, then whatever I do is going to be blessed by Him. And there may be trials and tribulations along the way. And the, by the way, God's Word says, you know, he, he chastens His sons because He loves you. And so when things come up and He chastens you, that's a good thing. Now... You may not think so. <laughs> Easy for you to say, you know, I'm going through this. Well, you know, that's the way God is. He's, he's a good father. I have four children, and I, and I know as they were growing up, um, there was things that I had to do to, to chasten them that I look back at today, and I, I say, praise the Lord. I'm glad I chastened them because now they're serving the Lord. Now they're doing things that I can be proud of. Now, are they perfect? No, they're not perfect. But because of that chastening of the Father, they were able to overcome some things that they probably would be struggling with right now had I not chastened them. But God is the same way. He chastens you for a purpose. He chastens, it, chastens you for your good, for your good. Um, my scripture today was in, in, in 1 Kings 22. I'm going to kind of give you a brief, brief paraphrase here. In chapter 21, everybody's heard of Ahab. Ahab was a wicked king in Israel. Uh, he was not the king of Judah, he was the king of Israel. And if you read about Ahab, he did some terrible things, terrible things. Ahab was not a nice guy. Who did he marry? Jezebel. I mean, everybody's heard about Jezebel. And there were some real problems in that kingdom. But I want to read briefly just a couple of verses here. And this is when Elijah, the prophet, and Ahab didn't like true prophets. You know why he didn't like two, true prophets? Ahab liked prophets. He liked prophets that spoke good to him. He, he wanted, speak something good to me. Well, then that's great. Hey, prophetic words good to you are good if it's from the Lord. Now, if there's a prophetic word that chastens you and is from the Lord, that's good too. You see... If it's from the Lord, it doesn't matter if it's a good word or a harsh word. It's from the Lord. It's going to help you. Well, Ahab, you know, Elijah comes up to Ahab, and he didn't like Elijah because, remember, Elijah killed all the bad prophets, and he did, you know, he just withheld rain from the Well, God withheld rain, but he spoke the bad words against Ahab. But Elijah comes, and, and, and uh, Ahab sees him and goes, Oh, no, it's you again, that prophet. 
And in verse 25, and this is part of the prophecy that Elijah has given to him, surely there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. And he acted very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done and whom the Lord cast out before the sons of Israel. And it came about when Ahab heard these words. Now I want you to listen to this part because you wouldn't expect this from Ahab. And this is in chapter, by the way, it's in chapter 21, verse 27. You wouldn't expect this from Ahab. Why? Because Ahab was the evil of evil. He was the wicked of wicked. And you read all in chapter 21 what he did, and you go, how could God even care about this person? But listen in verse 27, what it says. And it came about when Ahab heard these words. Remember, he heard them from a prophet that he despised, that he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and fasted, and he lay in sackcloth and went about despondently. Now, here's a king who you go, whoa, he had his heart touched. You know, some of you have friends, neighbors, husband, wife, (laughs) close to you. And you go, God can never touch their heart. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. God can touch anybody's heart. God can change the course of rivers. He can surely turn the hearts of men towards him. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, and this is the Lord speaking to the prophet of God. We know Elijah is a prophet of God. Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but I will bring the evil upon his house in his son's days. Now, I talked this over with my wife, and I said, you know, Ahab got out of that pretty easy. (laughs) Here he did wicked all the days of his life, and in the end, about his last three years, God gives him peace for three years, the last three years of his life. But why did it happen? Well, Ahab humbled himself. But here's the other thing. Kathy and I were talking about this. You know, and I'm not here to say that I know this is exactly how it happened. But you think about it, and I believe this makes sense in the way God's word is written. God knows everything, right? He knows the future. He knows the past. He knows everything in between. You know, he he sees everything like it's already happened. It's, it's It's a you know, circle thing for him. Ours, we, we have a linear line timeline. He has a line that goes like that. He sees everything. He knows what's going on. He knows what the future is. Well, obviously, he humbled himself here, and God said, you won't see it, but, you know, everything still, the prophetic word that came against you is still going to come true. It's going to happen to your, you know, children, your grandchildren. Well, why did God say that? Well, it's not like God was causing it on the children. God said that because... He knew his children were going to be wicked and not repent. That's why he already knew that they would not have their hardened heart softened. They would not repent. So he already knew that. So, you know, it's not like God is going to cause your children because of your sin to suffer, although it says that the curse goes from generation to generation. But Jesus came to break that curse. And he broke that curse. Now your that curse. Now your children will have a choice. And your grandchildren will have a choice. But see, God in his sovereignty, he knows what that choice is. So I wanted to kind of make that clear to you. Well, anyways, as you go on to chapter, chapter 22, and here I'm going to kind of summarize it a little bit. Chapter 22, it's all about Ahab, he's having peace.
peace for about three years. And there's this place called Ramoth Gilead. And Ramoth Gilead is a part of his land that is supposed to be his, but they never went and took it from the Assyrians or one of those groups up there. And so he's thinking, he goes, you know, he says, I got to go and get that land. So he, he talks to his, uh, his, uh, his fellow king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, who came down to visit him. They had peace at this time. Remember, there's always wars going on and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Israel, uh, Ahab, they kind of, they didn't like each other, but God gave them for one reason or other, because I believe the humbleness of his heart, he gave them three years of peace. And you'll be able to read this in chapter 22 on your own. I'm just summarizing this. But since he gave them that peace, Jehoshaphat came down to visit. And he visited Ahab, and they're sitting in the gates, and Kathy and I were just watching a movie about, not a movie, it's a, a, a series about Israel and how the, the gates were and where the kings would sit and how they would come in. And so we, we saw that yesterday on a video that my brother-in-law had sent me on where the gates were. And the gates were in the beginning of the, of the city. They had compartments, and the kings would sit there, and they would judge there, and they would give their wisdom out there. Well, the two kings were sitting in their robes, and Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, he said, hey, Jeho-, and I'm, again, paraphrasing, he said, hey, how'd you like to go up with me uh, to uh, Ramoth Gilead to uh, defeat the Assyrians or, or Amorites or whatever they were and, uh, and get that land back? And Jehoshaphat, sure, we'll go. You know, I'm your brother. You know, your, your blood is my blood. We'll go up together to battle. But Jehoshaphat was a wise man. He said, uh, let's, let's ask the prophets first. <laughs> So Ahab, he had a bunch of prophets, like 400 of them on his payroll. Now, what did the prophets do? Well, the prophets told him what he wanted to hear. Her. One of them came with horns and said, you will gir- gouge the, uh, uh, the enemy, you know, and you will get victory. And, and all of them going, yes, yes, you're going to get victory. Go, and the Lord will be with you. And they were saying, the Lord will be with you. The Lord will be with you. And you know, you hear that from 400 different prophets. That kind of, hey, that's pretty good. 400 prophets, the Lord will be with you. Go forth with victory in this battle. But Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, remember, as you read about him, you'll see he served the Lord. Now he had his pitfalls. He didn't always do what was right in the sight of the Lord. But his heart was right with the Lord. And it said he did good in the sight of the Lord, where Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord. So Jehoshaphat, he said, "Um, you know, I I like hearing your prophets, but he said, is there not a prophet of the Lord around here? Love somebody who's not on your, somebody who's not on your payroll, you know, <laughs> an independent. <laughs> and Ahab says, "Oh yeah, there's this one guy. I hate him. though. he never speaks anything good to me. He always speaks evil. His name's Micaiah, Micaiah, or something like it. I say Micah, but that's not right. It's Micaiah, Micaiah, or who wants to pronounce that? How does that pronounce? Micaiah." I say Mike, Mike, Micaiah, Micaiah, that's it. Micah's wrong. Micaiah, okay, that's good. Well, anyways, he said, there's this guy, Micah, but Micaiah, rather, but, but you know, he never speaks good of me. Well, Jehoshaphat said, uh, let's hear him, you know. So they, he, they brought him forth. And before they brought him forth, one of the servants came to him and he said, hey, you know, these other 400 prophets, they already spoke good. You think you can speak good? And Micah, Micaiah, rather, says, I'm only going to speak what the Lord says to me. So Ahab, you know, he comes in Ahab's court, and, and Micaiah, 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 <laughs> Micaiah, <laughs> and Micaiah, um, 
he looks at Ahab and, he, and he, uh, Ahab says, should we go up to battle? And, and he looks at him and he goes, sure, go up. You're going to get victory. Now, he did. He said that. Now, remember, he said he was only going to speak truth. So I was looking at my notes and my notes said, he must have said it in a sarcastic way. Because <laughs> he said he was going to speak the truth. So he must have looked at him and said, sure, Ahab, go up. You know, you're going to get victory. He must have said it something like that. And so Ahab looked at him and said, how many times did I tell you, only speak the truth to me? Micaiah. <laughs> Micah. I'll say Micah. Micah's easy. Micaiah. Micaiah. Micaiah then says, well, the word of the Lord said this. He says, you're in trouble. And I'm going to paraphrase it. Because <laughs> you're not going to get the victory. You're going to be defeated. And the Lord has sent deceiving spirits to your prophets. The Lord has sent deceiving spirits to your prophets. As you read in there, and I'm not going to go over that, but the Lord actually sent the deceiving spirits to his prophets. So one of those prophets, those 400, comes and he slaps Micaiah, 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 Micaiah. He slaps him and he says, how did the Lord bypass me and go to you? Micaiah said to him, he said, well, he said, if you're right, then, uh, you know, then I won't be, I forget exactly what he said. I won't be, oh no, the king said, then the king said to him, the king said to him, we're going to go out to victory, put him in jail. And uh, when I come back, I'll do something. And Micaiah said to him, he said, if you come back, he said, then the Lord didn't speak to me. If you come back, the Lord didn't speak to me. Now, he did send him to jail with short rations, but he never came back. Ahab went to battle. And, it, and he must have thought that Micaiah was a good prophet because, you know, he tried to disguise himself in battle, if you read that. He went in there. He didn't go in as a king. He went in there disguised. So you think about that. You go, well, why would he do that? He probably believed some of what Micaiah had said to him, that it's like, hey, I, I could die out there if I keep my king's robes on. And so he went out to battle as not as a king. He was disguised. But anyways, he had a chink in his armor. An arrow pierced him, and he died. And it came true, as Micaiah said, that the Israelites fled. And they lost the battle. Now, why, why did I say all that? Well, I said that because if, as Christians, if we're spirit-filled, if we read the Bible, if we pray and seek the Lord, we can hear the voice of the Lord, as I said before. And what I see today, I see many people trying to, to hear the prophetic word all over, whether it be on TV or whether it be on emails or whatever. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I believe that we need to start as Christians hearing the Lord for ourselves. Now, it can be confirmed in many different ways from many individuals, but you have to hear the word of the Lord for yourself. Um, I, I listen... I have been listening um, to some financial, speaking about financial again, I've not listened to Ramsey, but I've been listening to different Christian financial planners, you know. Um, and, and I don't want to say anything negative. They have to make a, a living and they have good information. 
Um, they always try to sell something along with their free information. But the reason I'm bringing this out is you hear many different voices who proclaim that they're Christian. Okay, I'm a Christian planner. I'm a Christian financial whatever, uh, stockbroker or whatever. And, and you see, I'm not, in a, I'm not in a teacher's retirement system. I made a mistake 35 years ago, 36 years ago, and uh, I, I say mistake. I went into an optional retirement system instead of the teacher's retirement system. And for a guy that knows nothing about finances, going into an optional system was not a good thing. Um, so, but it's a good thing. Remember I said it wasn't a good thing, at least from my perspective. But from God's perspective, it's a good thing because God somehow is going to work it out good in the end. Which means that I'm not retiring because I could retire right now if I was in the teacher retirement system at about 90% of my salary, which, would, would, which is pretty good. I mean, 90%, not my salary is so good, but my 90% is pretty good for doing nothing. But I can't do that because I'm in the optional retirement system. Well, anyways, the stock market went up and down and all this other stuff. But God has a plan. He wants me working. You see, there's a reason I'm working. And I, and I can do things that if I was retired and sitting back, I wouldn't be doing. And so God has a plan, and it's a good thing. So anyways, these financial planners you look at, they all have different words, different words. And it really gets confusing to a guy like me who does not know a lot about finances. So you go, wait, this guy says this, and this guy says that, that one says that, and it's like, whoa, wait a second. And so, you know, the Lord really spoke to me and said, it's good to get knowledge, for we perish without lack of knowledge. Get that information, but seek me to make decisions on your finances. So you need to seek the Lord. Now, why am I saying that again? It's not in the word with Ahab. But, you know, you could hear 400 voices that are not from the Lord, and everybody's doing it, and maybe that's not the right thing to do for you. Everybody's going in this direction, but the Lord says... Thank you, David. David, tell me about that already, and I already blew it. <laughs> Everybody's going in that direction. But maybe God wants you going in this direction. <laughs> or maybe just standing still, waiting, as Randy said, waiting to hear the word of the Lord. Sometimes the best thing you can do financially is wait. You know, wait, wait. Hear from the voice of the Lord. Um, I This just happened yesterday. Oh, my gosh. My glasses. Kathy, can I borrow your glasses? Yeah. Fortunately, God has made us the same with glasses. We have reading glasses all over the house. So, we, you know, I need a pair. I just go get Kathy. She needs a pair. We got them all over. Sometimes I have them on my head and I can't find them. Kathy, where's the glasses? <laughs> on your head, you know. Oh, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I, was, uh, I was on the Internet just the other day, and, and I wasn't going to bring this up, but I thought this, this was good. Um, somebody had sent me a prophetic word on this particular website. And the prophetic word, it, it, was, a, it was a good word. Um, I, I read down and looked at it, except there was one thing in there that was a little confusing to me. 
Um, so the prophet, and by the way, this is a prophet who you see on TV, on TBN and things like that. I'm not going to mention who it was, but um, the prophet that mentioned this, uh, I, I looked at his website and there was no way to contact him, no email address, but I mean, you could buy things like his books and his tapes and things, but there was no way to contact him. But this other website that had put this prophecy on had, had a way to contact them. Him, uh, I mean them. So I, I wrote this guy, and I just said, you know, I, I have a little question here. I said, uh, just a quick question. In the prophecy you've listed on your webpage by so-and-so prophet, it says uh, what shall happen in that is that the energy source that has uh, been held deep within the earth for millions and millions of years was being held uh, for such a time as this. And my question was, does this mean the earth is, a, according to this prophet, is at least a million years old? Or is it a reference to something else? Because, you know, in, in our thinking, Earth is hoovering around 6,000 years old, according to the Bible. And so I was surprised this particular individual emailed me back yesterday, you know, within a few hours. And he says, I can't interpret what the prophet has said, uh, but even after speaking to the prophet seven times, several times before, he admits that he's bad at interpreting his own words um, I suppose it could mean either. Some believe the earth has been dark and void or formless for millions of years, but our own recording history hoovers around 6,000 years. Of course, it could also mean that the prophet was prophesying that God has always existed, has always planned millions of years ago, that this oil would be found now, which we, uh, wish I could help more. You know, and I, I wrote the guy back and I said, well, thank you for, for at least emailing me in, no, it doesn't clear up everything, but at least I got an idea what you mean. And by reading that, I was thinking, you know what? As the prophet, and you hear prophetic words, as you look even in Scripture, many prophecies, they're hard to interpret, even the Scriptures in the, in the Bible. So you have to be very careful about any kind of prophecy. That may be a correct prophecy, and, but how it's interpreted, you have to be real careful because that may or may not be of God. I don't know. But if it is of God, it will come true. Things will happen. By the way, it was a pretty interesting prophecy because he was prophesying it that uh, our president, that the knee will bow in the White House, that our president is going to have his knee bowed. Now, I don't know how. He didn't say how. But if it comes true, that's a great thing where, where he, will, he will bow his knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So if that happens, praise the Lord. I mean, that's a great thing. And the other thing, he, he was prophesying, too, about uh, a new party uh, being formed, not Republican, not Democratic, uh, but a party that seeks the Lord, a party that, that, that um, serves the Lord and, is a hand, and that the Lord has his hand. And if that happens, praise the Lord. You know, so, I mean, I, I pray that the prophecy comes true. But, you know, I'm not going to go bet the bank on it, uh, I, I, I'm only saying that because you have to hear from the Lord. You listen to a prophetic word, it's a good thing. But sometimes a prophetic word may be a chastening. Uh, there's this one particular individual, and I'll mention his name because I really love him. His name is David Wilkerson. He's in New York City. He's got a word that comes out that is it's not really uplifting. It's more of a chastening. But I'll tell you what, that chastening has been so good in my life. Because when I get chastened and I read that and I go, wow, you know, he's so right here. I need to humble myself in this area or whatever. It's a good thing. 
So whenever you look at the word, I guess the point I'm trying to make is when you get the word of the Lord, you look at the word of the Lord. Be sure to evaluate it and be sure to seek the Lord. The Lord can speak to you. Uh, there was one scripture I wanted to uh, end with here. Uh, and Oh, gee, I, no wonder I can't see with those on. That's missing a lens. Um, <laughs> that's my lens right here. Psalms 25, 9, 9 says, He leads the humble in justice, and he teaches the humble his way. You know, you stay humble before the Lord. He will teach you his ways. He will direct your steps. And actually, uh, God, uh, let's see, where is that verse? Verse 1 of, of, of Kings 22 is talking about humbling thyself and, and peace. If you humble yourself, God will give you peace. Hallelujah. God is good. We had a great day in the house of the Lord today. God is so good. God, God really did speak uh, through everybody. You know, when Miranda got up there also, I realized we need to pray for young people. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure. I mean, there's pressure on everybody. But young people in schools today, I see it even where I, where I teach. And these are not real young. They're, you know, 18 to 22-year-olds and above. There's, there's a lot of pressure. Uh, they're thinking about careers. They're, you know, thinking about pleasing their parents. What am I going to do with my life? Things like that. A lot of, a lot of pressures. And the enemy will try to come in. Uh, even that spirit of suicide, which we are going to bind in the young people. And I, I, I want to pray even right now for our young people. So... If we could even one more time just pray for young people. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your Holy Spirit. We pray for every young person in this church, but not just in this church, Lord. Every young person, period. Just all those that don't even know you, Lord, that need a special touch from you. We bind every spirit of suicide. We cast you down in the name of Jesus, and we say you must be gone from these young people. We claim the blood of Jesus on these young people. We already prayed for Miranda, Lord, and we want to uh, continue to pray for her. But, Lord, there's so many others, even uh, in our families, Lord. I've got, I've got nephews and nieces in my family who don't know you, Lord, who need a special touch from you, Lord, who are living rebellious lives away from you. We all probably have relatives, and family members, friends who aren't serving you, Lord, who don't know you. Father, we pray that you would move by your spirit, just like you did in Miranda's heart today. Move in the young people of this church. Move in the young people in our neighborhoods, in our schools, Lord. Our city, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, O Lord. You and you alone are worthy. You sit on the throne. You rule and reign, Lord, forever and ever. How majestic is thy name in all the earth. Just think.